0: on another edition of the Baseball Elite uh, Podcast courtesy of FantasyGuru.com. I am Kyle Alfrink. He is Ray Flowers, and uh, it's a new week of uh, fantasy baseball discussion, recapping, previewing, all that good stuff, Uh, but it's also a new week just to hang out with Ray Flowers, which I think everybody, Ray, they're kind of wondering what's been going on with Ray for the last seven days, so Mm. is is there anything that's exciting, new, and and has you happy on, on this?
1: Wow, great question, Kyle. Exciting and new. Uh, eh, not really. <laughs> um, kind of the same old, same old. You know, been uh, doing a lot of uh, football writing now for Fantasy Guru. We did uh, get really close on uh, the old uh, the old tool. The Smash Report is, is floating out there with some amazing results early on. So I, I guess that's, uh, that kind of pops, uh, Kyle, that. And, of course, the fact that one of our producers over at SiriusXM, Shannon, got a corgi last week.
0: Oh yeah, yeah, I've heard you're quite excited about that. That smash tool. Um I know you and Jeff Manns have been working on that behind the scenes and kind of doing beta uh runs and tests of it. Um you don't want to release it till it's ready, but I assume it's it's getting closer, isn't it?
1: Yeah, and you know, honestly it's it's out there. Um the way it is setting up right now, if you are a member at elitefantasy.com or DFS arm, you have access to it. Uh, if you're part of the FG family here, uh, we haven't figured out the way to migrate everything over. And I, I think it's going to be more of a, it really is more of a DFS tool because it's a daily lineup. Um, but I'll say this, if someone wants to reach out to me directly, uh, send me a, a note on, on Twitter at Baseball Guys, or even better yet, send me a—you know something in the chat room. Uh, I'll see what I can do to try to hook someone up. Um, but yeah, it's, it's basically a tool that we've debuted and it's, um, the results in the early have been fantastic. Uh, it's not just looking at hitters or pitchers. It's looking at both of them and then comparing them. Um, we've had huge hits. We've had Dallas Keiko when he was 2% owned. We've had Anthony Descafani when he was 0.7% owned when he threw that complete game the other night, uh, Tucker Davidson. I mean, we've had a lot of big hits. So, uh, elite people can gain access to it there. Uh, you can go in the chat room or they can hit me up in the chat room at fantasy guru.
0: And I think next week we'll dig into that a bit more and kind of talk about some of the tools and some of the aspects and and kind of, um, you know, run through everything that is available. But uh, we'll give it a week for people to kind of mess around with it. Ray can find out what people are wondering about and uh, we'll tackle it here on the podcast. As for this podcast, uh, let's run through our starting nine. We're going to begin things with MLB supposedly ready to go after pitchers who are using the sticky stuff. What is a fantasy player to do? We will discuss that. Uh, We'll take a look at some other leaderboards today. In the two spot, we'll take a look at uh, pitchers who are doing well with BABIP or barrels per plate appearances, or called and swinging strike rates. So we'll take a look at that in the two hole. In the three spot, we'll uh, take an in-depth look. A player profile of a pitcher, Aaron Nola. In the four hole, the other leaderboards for the hitters, talking about exit, velo, line drive percentage, Uh, home run the fly ball percentage we talk so much about the five by five categories but we'll look a bit deeper with those uh, other leaderboards that are available some news and notes in the five spot in the six hole we'll take a look at the sirius xm host league which we do every monday Uh, take a run through of the winning waiver wire bids from last night. We'll take a look at Rob Povia's weekly planner uh, article, which is available over at FantasyGuru.com. We'll hit that in the seven hole and uh, highlight some of the, uh, or spotlight some of the highlights, if you will, in Rob's article, random reference at nine. And then the stamp of approval will close things down as always in the number nine spot. Ray, let's start at the uh, top of the heap, which I guess if we were looking at the, top storyline of uh, not only this baseball season, but it's affecting us in the fantasy baseball season. It would be the dominance of pitching and the lack of hitting thus far in 2021. But maybe, oh, maybe, Ray, if we're to believe Major League Baseball and we're to believe some of the things that they're going to start checking on and caring about, uh, maybe, oh, maybe, Ray, the pitchers will start to come a bit further back to the pack and maybe we'll have a more even playing field between the hitters and the pitchers. We're hearing a lot of reporting about umpires being given uh, the go-ahead. Some would call it the push to investigate players a bit more um, and, you know, to to just get in their face, I guess you could say, about pitchers and, and what are they using? Are they using anything? And we've seen in the last couple of weeks, Ray, that maybe the threats and the reporting are getting to some of these pitchers because... The spin rates, if nothing else, are starting to take a dip for these guys who dominated early in the year.
1: Yeah, I don't think anyone's really looking at Johnny Cueto's spin rate and caring much about that. It's it's the (laughs) top end guys, right? And, uh, you know, Bauer is down substantially. Cole is down substantially. I sent you a note uh, Sunday night. Bieber's curveball spin RPM was down 300. I mean, that's a huge drop. Um, a lot of these, you know, top end pitchers are mysteriously or miraculously, Kyle, all at the same time losing RPMs, <laughs> and uh, you know the the inference obviously is is there. It's that they've all been using sticky stuff, and you know it's a very small sample size, and you know you, two months is a small sample size to begin the year, and then obviously ten days since then is an even smaller sample size. But I saw Buster only tweet out that you know major league teams through June fourth were hitting 236 over the last, you know, 10 days, they're hitting 247. The on-base percentage was 3.12 on June 4th. It's 3.19 the last week. The slugging percentage was 3.95 through June 4th. It's 4.17 the last Ooh. week. So, everything has ticked up a little bit. Um that could be hitters becoming more comfortable, that could be the hitters that are on the field, you know, guys not being injured. That could be the weather, that could be the matchups, and it could also be the sticky stuff. And I think that the last part is it's pretty clear that you know, I don't know if cheating is the right word because I guess officially the league didn't tell him not to do it until just recently, but, uh, fudging Kyle, I think was yeah. the name of the game. And it's been that way all season long.
0: And, and the names you mentioned there, Ray, it's some of the best guys in fantasy baseball and, you know, we can sit here and we can all guess as to what this is going to mean, but none of us truly know. And who knows, maybe baseball cracks down on this for like two, three weeks. And then we just all kind of move on to some other major problem in the game. You know, that's usually how it works, uh, but I wonder for a fantasy player, is there actionable information? And and I don't know. I, I You know, it's not just these big name guys who are seeing the RPMs dip. It's it's actually, uh, you know, a majority of major league pitchers have seen a dip in the last couple of weeks. And for those who haven't seen the reporting, it sounds like the umpires are going to be checking relievers and, and checking starting pitchers, you know, throughout the game as they walk off the field and, you know, just kind of shake their hand, if you will, uh, see if there's anything crazy or even if they see something that stands out to them when they're behind the plate they can go out and and you know confiscate whatever check the pitchers so again they've always been able to do that but now there's the emphasis on it for the fantasy player ray you know here's my issue is you can say oh trade this player trade that player whatever or it's never going to be better than it's already been but the problem is we have this other cloud that's hanging over pitching is like you need pitching in the fantasy game. You need bodies. You need arms. We're not going to have a lot of guys going 200 innings. We're going to have more and more IL stints. I I almost feel like you should be adding pitching at this point (laughs) instead of subtracting pitching depth at this point.
1: Yeah. Well, I think that in general, that's accurate. Um, We talked to Steve Phillips on Sunday on series XM By the way, Kyle and I are on the drive. It's Friday nights from 10 to 12 Eastern and then Saturdays and Sundays from 3 to 5 Eastern. And uh, Steve basically threw out there that, look, guys, said exactly what you said. I think the second half, he might even use the term bloodbath. The second half, he feels, and I agree and sounds like you do too, that it's going to be rough. We're going to see the continuance of injuries. Uh, I can't think that later in the year as, you know, more injury and more innings pile up and such that the injuries will lessen. It makes no sense to think that. So the injuries probably tick up. Then we start running into the zones of, you know, all these pitchers who, you know, threw 50 innings, 60 innings last year, the minor leaguers, the youngsters. He mentioned Trevor Rogers. It's the guy I wrote about when he, you know, before the season began, like how many innings are the teams going to let these guys throw when officially they didn't throw a single inning last year that mattered. Uh, it's going to be extremely difficult and you know folks if you've if you had fun in the first half get ready for the second half because it's <laughs> going to
0: be even more fun and and there's no perfect advice here because these injuries can crop up in a moment in an instance you know over the weekend uh DeGrom and scherzer guys that you look at and say they're bulldogs they're 200 inning guys both them uh, both those players left early with injuries so there is no automatic here but Ray, you and I were talking over the weekend and, you know, there are some pitchers who haven't excelled this year. They're not seen as superstars, but, you know, you kind of look at them and say, okay, they can eat up innings. And I still think those guys are in play. Uh, The ever boring Irman Marquez, the ever boring Zach Eflin, Kyle Gibson, Zach Greenke, um, Kyle Hendricks, Chris Bassett. I mean, there are boring pitchers, but one thing that is exciting about them is you look at them and say, well, they're not going to be shut down by an innings limit. Um, if they're pitching well, they're probably out there every five days. Now, I'm not going to guarantee you they're healthy for 28 starts this year, but there are guys out there, Ray, and they are the boring players that can help you out right now. And and some of them are pitching well. Some of them are not pitching so well. You know, Some of these guys maybe have already had their IL stint. Kenta Maeda might be one. Uh, But I think these are guys that in every single league you can at least look at and be honest about your pitching staff and and say to yourself, well, is player X really somebody who's cut out for 26, 27, 28 starts? Is his team really going to let him throw 180 innings? And if you're relying on that guy and your answer is no, you know, he's not going to get to 180 innings, they're going to find a way to kind of stash him for September or October. You need to be active with trades, or even the waiver wire of looking for guys that you can maybe just slot in there and and get yourself some numbers, get yourself some starts in the middle of the summer.
1: Yeah, and you know I know the and I, I got the question this morning in the chat room at Fantasy Guru. Hey Ray, what are your top three minor league guys? And uh, I I actually tomorrow is mid month every month I'm updating my list, so I'll be doing that tomorrow at Fantasy Guru. But you know you think of this: how is Spencer Howard done? How is Nate Pearson done? How is Sixto Sanchez or Tristan McKenzie or Daniel Lynch or Jerkson Coar? How are these guys done? These are the elite pitching prospects in baseball that we're supposed to help in two thousand twenty-one.
0: No, they're almost bad across the board. Um. And 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 Ray, people say, well, Alex Manoa, okay, congrats. That's like one out of ten, and that's kind of the hit rate for rookie. Yeah, and so
1: I bring that up because in in you know piggybacking off what you said, the answer to this question isn't I'm just going to grab youngsters. That doesn't work. Okay, it just doesn't. It doesn't work. Year after year, it's not working this year. So that's one factor that should lead people to say that Ah, Zach Granke, but I want Zach Granke because you can't depend on these youngsters because we're seeing flame outs all over the place. Secondly, we don't have any idea how some of these youngsters, as I said, are going to perform in the second half of the season. And when you start saying to yourself, well, that's okay, they'll just call the next guy up. Well, as we're talking about, the next guy up isn't getting it done a lot of the time. And a lot of the time, the next guy up is a four inning pitcher. Is a three inning pitcher and that that's so, you know, who's even starting games is is so-and-so coming in to be, you know, long with the giants. I got a whole bunch of questions. Long isn't officially listed as a starter for the giants this week. (laughs) Yet everybody was adding him this week. Everyone was adding him, (laughs) And most people were saying he's a two-start pitcher. He's not officially listed as a starting pitcher this week. Now the assumption is he'll pitch on Tuesday and Sunday, and it looks like in a bulk relief role. That's the assumption. uh So, you know, when you start talking about second half innings, when you start making pivots, to youngsters, to guy with uncertain roles, you might feel good because you've got a really nice arm. But if that guy's throwing three or four innings, what's that doing for you? And that, I feel, is going to be the biggest challenge in the second half is getting pitchers, because let's face it, people listening to us, Kyle, 95% of them are in win leagues, right? In the second half, are we going to have pitchers that even throw five innings to qualify for a victory? So getting those veteran arms that are boring and stable but will be in the rotation and will be throwing six innings is extremely important.
0: Like I'm sitting there last night, Ray, watching Sunday Night Baseball, and it's Carlos Martinez against Zach Davies. Now, you couldn't draw up two more boring pitchers, really. Mm -hmm. You really couldn't. But look at what they did. (laughs) They're pitching in the seventh inning, and for Davies, he had a shutout. Uh, Martinez, who'd been really awful, but he pitched well last night. And I'm not saying, oh, wow, you got to get those guys because the rest of the way they're going to be great. It's nothing of the sort. What I'm really getting at is guys like Carlos Martinez and Zach Davies. If you can hit on the starts, if you pay attention to streaming, they can help you through a season. Now you got to dump them. You can't really believe these guys are going to be like, you know, go on a six month tear or six week tear. That's not going to happen. But, but the key is, Ray, with Davies, Martinez, veterans, rookies, pitching, all this stuff. I guess the, the the takeaway I want to leave folks with understand you will have to manage this entire summer. There There is no walking away for a week to go on vacation or two weeks and say, I'll check it on. I'm in first place. I got this thing wrapped up. There's none of that Ray, because it, it's like hard for anybody to go through a week um, without like even a slight injury to their pitching staff, whether it's a reliever or a starter, there, there's always something cropping up. And, and so this is going to reward the people who stay on top of it and and, and check things day after day. And, you know, who are, um, you know, when they get to that Sunday waiver period, uh, they're thinking about the following Friday. They're thinking about matchups for the middle of the week, um, obviously two start pitchers, all that stuff. I, I think this year and, and maybe future years, because I don't know if this is just a one off with pitchers and how they're going to be handled. I, I think it's forever going to reward the person who stays active and stays on top of things.
1: Absolutely. And um, I don't know was it you I was talking I was talking to someone about this this weekend and I was looking at like all my leagues and I'm like, you know second, third, fourth place in like every league I'm in and I, I look at my teams and they're beat up. they're messy. Um, I'm going to the waiver every week. And then I'm I'm left to think the only reason I'm in third place or fourth place or second place is because I'm doing waivers every week. It's the fittest survival. It kind of is right
0: now. You're the fittest. (laughs) It kind of
1: is. And, you know, I think in, in, I've I've talked about this previously that I I really do think that, uh, you know, this is going to be, if there's ever been a year where that would work, it's this year because we're going to get football coming really heavy in about a month. It's already there, but it's really going to be heavy in about a month. And people are going to look at their teams and they're going to be beat up and they're going to be going in the wrong direction. And they spent that fab money on that rookie and it didn't hit. And so-and-so got hurt. But that person that's making those three moves a week, that's reading Rob Povey's article that we'll talk about later, that's in the chat room asking us questions at Fantasy Guru, that person's going to finish top five guaranteed. It's like a guarantee. And then it's how much higher can you finish? Because I, th- I really see this year is more than any other year in the recent past. Pascal, people just bailing late in the year because it gets hard.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah. I think uh, it's such a challenge every year, but you nailed it. I think it's, it's going to frustrate people. And um, you know, it's people sitting in ninth place, 90% of them are quitting. Come July 1st. It's just the fact. I mean, fifth place, half of them are quitting. I mean, that's, that's, that's the bugaboo, if you will, of fantasy baseball, Uh, like Ray noted, anybody listening here, the the goal is to keep listening every Monday and to give you that edge and uh, to get you finishing near near the money. Uh, in your league. Let's go to the two spot. And Ray, we spent some time last week talking about the best of the best. And, you know, we all know who's leading baseball and home runs and wins and, and strikeouts and all these things. Um as we've seen over the last decade plus baseball has introduced us to all sorts of other stats and fantasy players have gotten into those other stats. Been a while since we've taken some of the uh, taken a look at some of the other leaderboards I guess in baseball and let's stay with pitching for the number 2 spot in our starting nine and you know talk about some other numbers maybe below the numbers that we score and you know a lot of this is statcast stuff Ray and when we talk about statcast people have gotten a lot into you know launch angle and Um, hard hit percentage and barreling and, you know, exit velocity and all these things. And, you know, with pitching, I I was pulling up some numbers today, Ray. And if you look at the the man who suppresses exit velocity the best, um, it's one of those boring veteran guys. It's not Zach Davies. It's not Carlos Martinez. (laughs) Ray, the guy is Wade Miley. 84.1 is the average exit velocity off of a Wade Miley ball put into play. Now, why is that? Well, some of it, Ray, is he doesn't throw hard. So it's harder to, you know, it's it's harder to drive an 88 mile per hour fastball, 102 miles an hour. It's just hard to do that. Uh, But Wade Miley's at the top of this list, Ryan Yarbo, Max Fried, Corbin Burns, and Zach Wheeler. And that's That's pretty impressive for Burns and Wheeler, Ray, because those are guys who certainly throw the ball hard and uh, they're top five right now in exit velocity uh, allowed.
1: It's tough to know, and this is a great conversation, it is tough to know how much of an impact that the pitcher has on the exit velocity, on the hard hit rate, all that stuff and the batter and I know it's a running debate kind of in the community like how do you you know how do you differentiate between the the, credit yeah yeah because it's like the pitcher makes a good pitch he throws a pitch on the black low and outside and the guy makes a good swing and rips it 90 miles an hour to the opposite field it's like well dude made a good pitch other times they they throw a backup curveball that just you know sits over the center of the plate and the guy swings and misses terrible pitch but the guy swings and misses so I, I, I can't fully say or fully support. Hey, look at the, the 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 exit velocity or hard hit rates for pitchers, and say that's an answer because I I think more so that the batter than the pitcher controls that. What I will say though to support your you know bringing this up is that the ability to miss barrels on a consistent basis, which is basically what Wade Miley does, he gets dribblers and all this kind of stuff. You know, he's he's like a lot of these other guys. He's like Ryan Yarbrough, a guy that we talked about over the weekend. They they have late movement. It's not su- it's not you know, it's subtle. It's only a little bit, it leaks a little bit. They keep batters off balance, they change their eyesights, they throw multiple pitches, they're in and out, they're up and down. So they pitch into it and they in essence, confuse the batter a little bit that they're, you know, not don't mistake me that Wade Miley's some magician, but they they, <laughs> you know, it, it's different than throwing 97 slider, 97 slider. You know, it's it's different, it's a different kind of a bat. And so these guys that quote
0: unquote pitch are intriguing because a lot of them don't get hit very hard. Yeah. Well, when you talk about hard hit percentage, like Corbin Burns is really fascinating, Ray, because um his hard hit percentage is, is like the lowest in baseball. Uh, for pitchers 25.4 like his swing percentage is so low too and and we all know the story with Burns he doesn't walk anybody so it's like you know he's around the plate but guys aren't swinging for whatever reason it's really weird like Corbin Burns can get away with what he's doing and I guess it speaks to you know he's found a key to something this year but if you look at some of these stat cast boards Corbin Burns is really all over the you know top five top 10 on so many of these lists
1: yeah he's uh RPMs went way down on the weekend until his last start.
0: Uh, <laughs> so, um, so you're saying a month from now, he yeah, won't be here. Well, enough. he
1: might still be if everyone else comes back to the pack, as Burns does have great stuff. Yeah, it it is really interesting. I mean, you you look at it Burns and, and what he accomplished last season, and it was tremendous. It was just tremendous. And then you looked at, at this year, and it's at another level. You can't go from tremendous to another level, but he has. And whether it's sticky stuff or a run or whatever it is, like you said, the secret sauce has been discovered by Burns. Everyone loved this guy's arm. That was never a doubt, but he had a hard time locking things in. There were times where he didn't control the strike zone. He just, you know, he couldn't get in the rotation. And all of a sudden everything clicked and it clicked at elite levels. I mean, a 41% K rate is is immense. It's a huge. It's impossible like for a starting pitcher, yet there it is. A 4% walk rate. In this day and age, almost impossible for a pitcher to have that. Yet. yet he, you know, famously was doing that. He didn't walk anyone for what six starts, whatever the hell it was. And you know, he he does everything. He gets fifty one percent ground ball rate. Like everything, all the pieces are there. It's much easier to say that he will have furthered success in a guy like Wade Miley because the stuff is better, the dominance is better but there's still a lot of pitching that has to be done. And we'll see how things level off because they're at such high levels with Corbin Burns. There's only a couple of guys in baseball that could do stuff like this. And you wouldn't think that it's absolutely bonkers.
0: You know, one last number here, Ray, Um, on the pitching side for for some of these advanced leaderboards, if you will, uh, about a month ago on the show, we talked about the called strike uh, or the called plus swinging strike percentage because it was popping up everywhere and people were in love with it. And if you look at that list right now and you look at the top guys in baseball, like the top 10, it's, you know, Jake DeGrom's number one. Bieber's on there. Glasnow's on there. Cole's on there. Uh, Urias with nine wins. He's on there. Clayton Kershaw's on there. Max Scherzer. Like, it's it's huge name guys. Um, what I found interesting about that is Jake DeGrom, this speaks to his greatness. His swinging strike percentage, Ray, is over 21%. Yeah. Which is... Bonkers, because you know, even these other guys who are up there with the overall called strike and swinging strike percentage, Ray, they're all like sixteen or fifteen or fourteen. Jake Degrom is over twenty-one percent. I think Glasnow is number two in baseball at seventeen percent. Like Jake Degrom, I guess again, here's another number that just proves you how kind of ahead of the field he is right now.
1: Yeah, and it is really remarkable uh, that. it, everything about DeGrom is remarkable. Okay, I mean, let's just say it. Not the least of which has been that he, just like we were talking about with Burns, he's hit the level of greatness has DeGrom, and it, he's still inching upward. Like it's just you can't. I mean, he threw ninety-five, then it was ninety-six, then it was ninety-seven, then it was ninety-eight, then it was ninety-nine, not to hundred. He's throwing harder each year. He gets older. Like these these things just don't make sense. And when you you know you look at the since well you look at forever. And I don't mean that forever, but I'm looking at the 21st century in the swinging strike rate. The number one mark of all time was Jacob Degrom last year. Of course, that was a shortened year at 21.6. This year, he's 21.2, as you mentioned, Kyle. No other pitcher ever has been at 17.5. Wow. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Right. So he's basically. I mean, and you can look at last year and this year, stick them together. He's at 21.4 or whatever, and that's basically a season worth of innings almost, right? No one's been at 17 and a half. And no that. one's
0: at 17 and a half this year. Except yeah. It's, yeah. It's nuts. I mean, it's so what
1: what he is doing is not he is Burns, but he's proven that's who he is, which is just amazing.
0: There are only 24 pitchers in baseball right now who have 30 uh, percent or higher called strikes and swinging strikes combined. The percentage and, and again, big names. But Ray, there are other names here. Mm-hmm. Um, Robbie Ray is number 12. Uh, Joe Musgrove, seven. Rich Hill is number eight. Kikuchi is 14. Austin Gomber is 16th. Uh, Charlie Morton is 18th. Adam Wainwright is number 20. Uh, Dylan Cease, 23. Stephen Matz, 24. You know, there's some names there, Ray, that are not superstars. Like, you know, Adam Wainwright, we were talking about these boring vets. I mean, literally maybe the most boring dude in baseball, in, in fantasy baseball, Adam Wainwright. But there's something to be said for maybe making a trade for Adam Wainwright just because you feel good about him, you know, throwing strikes, making starts, eating up some innings. He'll have clunkers, absolutely. But he's just a boring dude who can maybe be your fourth or fifth starter for the rest of the year.
1: Yeah, and I mean, you look at his last three, four, five outings, you know, like you said, there there's always the, there always is that hiccup with him. And, and usually always. the hiccup yeah. is not awful, right? It's not he's given up 10 runs like Carlos Martinez but there's a rough game or two, but the, the advantage that he has a, is he throws innings, going back to your point earlier, this is an innings guy and Wayne, Wright Even his age B, he doesn't really beat himself with the walk. So, you know, he's not one of these guys that's putting four guys on base every time he takes the Hill and c, there's a, there is a level of consistency with him. And it's not anything elite, but it's just solid. He gives his team a chance to win. He gets a chance to pick up victories. He goes deep in the game. So yeah, he's, he's a very boring guy who could be on waivers. Um, Two other guys that you mentioned, I just want to throw out just so everyone remembers. Kikuchi was third on my list of breakout guys this year. So he's fulfilling that expectation pretty well. And then I'm going to say, and I'm just going to put this out there, Kyle, of all the guys you could talk about, we've talked about Burns. We talked about, you know, DeGrom. Is Robbie Ray the most impressive pitcher in baseball this year, given last year? I mean, think about, think about this. His ERA is half of what it was last year. His walk rate is a third of what it was last year. The strikeout to walk ratio is double his career mark. He's got a one-one whip. Robbie Ray has been fantastic. If Robbie Ray's numbers were Max Scherzer, you'd be would you even be disappointed? I don't think you would, Kyle. I, I don't know where this came from because last year was such a
0: mess for him. But Robbie Ray this year has been really amazing. I remember saying this about Ray. If you go back, you know, he was traded for um, Toronto, went out and got him. And it's not like overnight he became this kind of pitcher. He was, you know, pretty mediocre, even with the Blue Jays. A little better than he was with the D-backs last year, but mediocre overall. And then, Ray, you got to the offseason and like literally on day one, the Blue Jays inked him. Mm -hmm. They brought him back. They're like, we're keeping Robbie Ray. And I said to myself, man, they must feel like they've got something figured out with Ray and I I maybe, you know, I'd have to dig into it more and kind of see what, yeah, credit to the player. But I think the team really knew that they could uh, unlock uh, whatever was hindering Robbie Ray. So that's good to see. Um, Now, another name on this list, and and we'll get to hitters with advanced stats, but number three on our starting nine is a player profile. Um, Aaron Nola is one of the 24 pitchers who has a called and swinging strike percentage of over 30%. He's number 22 on this list. Just a smidge. Actually, he's even with Carlos Rodan, a smidge behind Trevor Rodgers, a smidge behind Lucas Giolito. Uh, You Darvish is just a bit ahead of him. Ray, I bring up all those other names because I think Aaron Nola, for the most part, anybody who owns him this year, they're saying, yeah, he's been okay, but kind of been let down by Aaron Nola. Obviously, Zach Wheeler has kind of surpassed him um, as the guy in the Phillies uh, rotation. But coming off a Sunday where he was very dominant, I mean, he totally shut out the New York Yankees, I thought we'd give a, a rundown of Aaron Nola. And, and I wanted to touch on him, Ray, and our player profile because, again, I think the general feeling is, uh eh, very ho-hum. Is it better than ho-hum for Aaron Nola this year?
1: Yeah, and I got multiple questions last week, and we have that chat room over at Fantasy Guru. People, if you're a subscriber, you can leave questions at any point of the day, and you get an answer within 24 hours every time. Usually it's within, like, two hours because I'm always there. But um, someone, and this was a continuance of things I'd seen on social media. Someone says, I'm going to drop Aaron Nola this week. And I said, whoa, 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 let's not do that. And so last week I wrote an article. Uh, it was on, what day was this? Uh, June 9th. And the, the headline, the subheadline is, what is wrong with Aaron Nola? And I don't normally do this with a guy of Aaron Nola's stature because I, I kind of figure that people are disappointed, like you said, but, you know, with Aaron Nola, and that wasn't the way it was going. You know, And so this was before he goes out and throws seven and two-thirds shot out innings. Okay, this was before that game. I pointed out his K rate is better than his career mark. His walk rate is better than his career mark. His strikeout-to-walk ratio would be a career best. His whip was a hundredth better than his rate the last two years and only four hundredths above his career mark, so identical there. Um, if you look at the batted ball info, um, his hard hit rate this year was below the last two years. His exit velocity was only up a tenth. His barrel rate was up less than it was like 0.6 or something up. So the batted ball info basically all the same. Um, and you look at everything, and, and, and there's more data here in the article, but it came down to two facts: one, he was struggling in the first inning, and two, he wasn't commanding his fastball. Now the struggling in the first inning, he's he's never been great in the first inning. He's one of these guys, I guess, that you know takes a while to get into it. But the, the you know having an ERA of six nine in the first inning is stupid. Like you know, you know, it shouldn't be that. The number's two and a half runs below that for his career. But the most important thing was the fastball command. And I had quotes in the article from Joe Girardi and I looked at the data and, and that basically what it was, Kyle, that this, he just wasn't commanding his fastball. And, you know, if you, we talk about this so much, the difference between being ahead 1-0 and being you know, as a batter or being behind 0-1, it's huge, and especially for a guy like Morton who's got the curveball. I mean, noah has got the curveball and everything. So I really think as I noted in the article, he was just off and it all snapped back into place the last time he was out there.
0: Well, and and one thing I'm going to point out about Nola um, back on May 8th. So about five weeks ago, he had a two, eight, nine ERA. He was three and one. People were happy. You no, know, for the most part, what happened since then? And Ray, I got to say he had seven starts and I'm looking at these seven opponents and I'm like, He survived against him. The schedule (laughs) has been pretty brutal for Aaron Nola. Um, And here it is. I mean, on the road at Atlanta, that's a good hitting lineup. I I know they're not winning, but that's a lineup with Acuna and Freeman and Albies and a lot of guys going well right now. So that that started on May 9th. Then, Ray, a game in Dunedin against the Blue Jays. We know how that ballpark plays. Uh, Game against Boston. a, A fearsome Boston lineup, especially at the top. Road trip to Miami. OK, there's a break, you know, right? down in Miami. That's a great place to pitch. Then a road trip to Cincinnati. Terrible place to pitch. And then back to back games against the Braves again. And then the Yankees yesterday. Like, Ray, that that's his last seven starts. Like, I'd say it's six of seven where good offenses are like bad places to pitch. And he had a 4-6 ERA. Like, you know what? I give you a pass. You know, I, the only bad game was maybe the first one there where he gave up five runs and four innings against the Braves. But I, I think the schedule really jumped out and kind of bit him. Um, I, I still think just like you laid out, Aaron Nola's Aaron Nola. It's just the schedule did him zero favors over the last month and a half.
1: Yeah. The only issue with a guy like this that really concerns me is health. And, you know, I, I mentioned this in article, maybe there's something going on, but my my assumption these days anymore is if there is something going on, the guys don't pitch. <laughs> like I, I, You know, right. The team just doesn't either. The I think it's usually the team, but they just don't pitch. So I, you know, I, and I, I, this is not including his last start on, on the weekend. It was the nine starts before the, the nine starts before that. I pointed out in the article, his area was four, nine, seven. Okay. Terrible. So it's mm-hmm. so a little bit larger than, than the the sample size you were just talking about. But you look at it, his XFIP in that time was three, eight, and his Sierra was three, six. And, and the, these advanced measures, uh, without getting all complicated, basically try to remove the white noise they try to get rid of the things that aren't really in control of the pitcher, right? They try to normalize things for the pitcher, you know, home run rates, that kind of stuff. Think about that. His actual ERA was five. His XFIP was three eight and his Sierra was three six. Mm-hmm. So those advanced measures, are even speaking to what you're saying too, Kyle, we're saying that, yeah, yeah but. So th- we have a lot of tools at our disposal now and we can go the Ray Flowers route. Let's talk about these acronyms and such. We can go the Kyle Wilfrink route. Let's use our common sense here and look at these matchups. Yeah. like you you need to do both of those things because sometimes the answer isn't obvious but sometimes it kind of is
0: well and unfortunately he had the dominating start yesterday so the price tag is back yeah, there went that point. opportunity yeah. 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 <laughs> so hopefully um you, you attack those owners who were ready to drop their nola last week because now they're not going to drop aaron nola Uh, Let's go to the four spot in our starting nine, Ray. We talked a lot about pitching and and the leaderboards on advanced metrics. Uh, For hitters, there's a ton of information. And, you know, just like with pitching, a lot of the the guys at the top of the the advanced leaderboards are names you expect. Now, with hitters, I kind of wonder, you personally, we we hear a lot about average exit velocity, um, hard hit percentage, barrel stuff you know, a lot of the same names pop up there, but is there one you like over another with, with, because again, I, I feel like every night, like every home run we see Ray, it's what was the exit velocity? Uh, wow. Look at how much this guy has barreled And And a lot of it is just the announcer trying to say like, I'm hip. I know what's going on. Um, and I get it. You know, it's, it's interesting and they're trying to entice fans with some new numbers and show that they are changing with the times, but I, I kind of wonder to myself, well, which one really matters, you know, to you? So as, as you look at some of these numbers, are are there one or two that maybe speak more to you than some of the others?
1: Well, I'll tell you this. We were talking earlier about the smash report over at elitefantasy.com. com, And uh, myself and Jeff Manns are the ones that, that put all this together. And I can tell you that this information's in there. Um, all this information we're talking about right now is, is included in that, which I think is why the tool is so powerful because it covers so many aspects of offense and pitching and the matchups and all that. Um, I don't know, I, I don't feel comfortable at the moment saying, I only look at hard hit rate, I only look at barrel rate, I only look at exit velocity. I, I really do look at those three in particular as a triumvirate, as a, as a, a in an equilateral a triangle. Trinity of good yeah, an equilateral <laughs> triangle. Yeah, you said it more eloquently than I did. That, I mean, I really do. And, and so I, I, you know, regression models, and eh, you know, you can get all in the weeds if you want. But I, I would say that as a Convey as a, as a user of the data, someone who follows the work at Fantasy Guru or us on XM, you want to pay attention to all three mm-hmm. and you don't want to discount one or the other. I, 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 I love finding a scenario where, well, why is this guy's exit velocity down but his hard hit rate is up or mm-hmm. vice versa? So sometimes to me, it's almost more about do all three of them line up together in a way that makes sense? If one of the numbers doesn't, let's investigate and try to find that out. So I almost use them to exclude or include Variance, if that makes sense because they don't all three of the numbers don't always match and that's very intriguing to me
0: well and and just looking at the top five in those three categories and again we're only looking at guys who qualify not guys who've played 10 games or whatever but um top five exit velocity Aaron Judge is one 96.9 then Vlad Machado's three very interesting right Acuna's four and Otani's five now Ray I would say again this is the a- exit velocity average four of those five people are totally fine with judge Guerrero Acuna Otani what they're doing people aren't fine with what Manny Machado is doing right now this would maybe give them a little hope I guess
1: absolutely and you know you can go to you know font page and everything you look at this I mean obviously Manny Machado's got an elite exit velocity he's got an elite max exit velocity he's got an elite hard hit rate so he's got all these elites and he's hitting 242 like what's going on this is a perfect example of a guy who you know 10 years ago we would say Manny Machado is just not getting it done this year and you know, maybe the announcer says, I could swear he's hit more line drives than normal, you know, and we'd all be like in that air. Now we know, like we can analyze the data and his exit velocity right now is a career best and it's up multiple miles an hour. Like that's a big jump. You know, a guy who's always at 91 year after year, a guy who always plays year after year. And at bat, to see that number go up multiple miles per hour as it has with Machado is a very, very good sign that the numbers he has posted to date are likely to get much better as we move forward,
0: and he's top ten in hard hit percentage too. Um, like you noted, it's elite, top five in hard hit percentage. There's that name again, Aaron Judge, number one. Uh, Soto, Sal Perez sitting at three, Acuna and Winker. Now again, Sal Perez, Ray. It's it's the best hitting catcher in baseball. Is he better than Posey now? I mean, can we say that with Sal Perez? He's been going bonkers over the last couple of weeks. No, we can't say that with him because uh, he's not. <laughs> he's a better. He's very, very close. I well, mean, I know he doesn't have the batting average, yeah. but man, oh man,
1: he is not a better hitter. Might he create more fantasy value? Possibly. So I, I, I'm going to draw that because Salvador Perez d- doesn't know what a walk is. Okay? <laughs> I, I was funny. I read an article that was written about him over at the Athletic last week, and it basically it sounded like, and I know this isn't true, but it sounded like this offseason was the first time in his life that Salvador Perez actually tried to take what he knows as a catcher and uses as a hitter. Cause he basically just saw the ball and swung at it. I mean, that, it's like, he, it seems like he has a plan now and it's like, bro, you're a pro athlete and you didn't really have, I mean, I, you know, again, I think it's too simplified, but it basically just sounded like a guy who hacked and now says, Hmm, if I can get an 1 one Oh count. Uh. So he's, he's been phenomenal. We've talked about him a lot. You and I, the, the he's had, the stat cast data says this dude mashes, His production since the beginning of last year says he mashes. The batting average component, though, is just not a part that I can support. I don't think he's a 285 hitter. I don't think he's hitting 285 this year, but he easily could lead that position in home runs and RBIs.
0: You know, I was looking at these advanced numbers and these leaderboards uh, this morning, Ray, and you know, these numbers we're we're just talking about here. Um, I'd say in the last three or four years, they've really taken off. I remember when you and I you know, started doing all this stuff. Um, you know, twelve years, fourteen years ago, we you know hang out, do radio shows, all that stuff. Uh, we didn't necessarily have that information, but we we always talked about like line drive percentage mm-hmm. and home run to fly ball ratio. Mm-hmm, and yep. and now I feel like we never talk about that. <laughs> yeah. you know, it's just like yeah. what do you talk? And I, I thought I'd just throw this out there because I'm as guilty as the next guy. I, I hadn't looked at the leaders there, um, and it used to be something we constantly looked at. But line drive percentage, Castellanos, Mancada. Teoscar Hernandez, Brantley, and Adam Frazier. Those are very different names from these other leaderboards, Ray. Mm -hmm. Um, Not that those guys aren't anywhere to be found on those leaderboards, but as top five guys, they're not in the top five elsewhere, but at least they are in line drive percentage.
1: Yeah, I mean, think about Michael Brantley. Michael Brantley, has anyone ever said, boy, that dude's hitting rockets? No. (laughs) But boy, is that dude hitting 300? Yeah, you don't hit 300 year after year by luck. I mean, you just, that's not, you can't do that, right? And, you know, Michael Brantley, I'm not saying he's a great athlete, not a great athlete or, tremendous shape or all that, but he's not six, four, he doesn't weigh 230 pounds. He's not, you know, swinging from the heels. He's just hitting line drives all over the field. And so he is a type of a player that, you know, maybe instead of hitting 95 miles an hour, right. He's hitting at 87, but it's 87, it's 87. It's, a, it's just, and he's spraying it all over the field. And it's not that he, he's not hitting the ball hard. So he shouldn't get good results. It's just that he's not a guy that hits it 107. It's just not, you know, there's, and there's been a lot of guys in the history of this game that have had what, Rod Carew. Rod Carew would never be seen on a StatCast leaderboard, and he'd be hitting 330 every year. I mean, it's just so, yeah, it, there, there are definitely players that slip through the cracks if you get too narrow in your focus. That's why it's always more important, as I was saying. It's never – you never look – people ask me, what one thing? You never look at one thing. You look at one thing to lead to other things, but you've got to look at everything because most players just don't fit easily into boxes.
0: And quickly on the home run to fly ball percentage, um, you guessed it, Vlad Guerrero is number one. And, Ray, you've talked about him before. And, man, how is he doing it? It's it's Hey, he's a good player, but the home runs, uh, you have to expect that to level off just a bit. But another couple of other things, like Javi Baez is number two there, and Jared Walsh is number three. And, Ray, we talk all the time about, you know, Vlad hits too many ground balls. The, The number of ground balls Baez and Walsh are hitting, I mean, Jared Walsh is near 50%. Yeah. On on his ground ball rate. Now I, I bring those guys up; they're good players. I'm not saying these guys are dumpable or anything, but like Ray, those are those are ground ball percentages higher than Vlad. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, they're home run hitters. Another guy on this top ten, Avi Garcia, is over 50 percent with his ground ball percentage. I, I just throw this out there: Baez, Walsh, um, Avaseo Garcia, and kind of got to worry about their home run totals too, I guess.
1: Absolutely do. And just as a quick, you know, refresher course on home run to fly ball ratio. If you're having a mark over 25%, that's like all-star level. If you have a mark over 30%, that's hall of fame level. There are two, three guys a year that have a 30% home run to fly ball ratio. You know, historically speaking, was, there was a long period of time. Right to now top. we have
0: four, by the way. Right, right. And
1: yes. so, and Walsh is one of them. And so when you have a mark that, again, I'm not saying that flippantly. If you have a mark over 30%, that's a hall of fame level number. Now, The issue with that is obvious, right? Not many guys are Hall of Fame-level players. But secondly, when you then look at a lot of these guys, and you you did a great job there highlighting some guys, and we'll just talk about Walsh. When you have a home run-to-fly ball ratio that high and you know it's going to regress, just it will, and then you look at that ground ball rate, and as you noted, see it 50%, percent we got a problem. Because if the home run rate regresses, and it almost certainly, like 99.9%, it will regress. And we have a player who's hitting half his balls on the ground, bye-bye home runs, just bye-bye. And so you you always, again, looking at multiple things, you want to find a guy that has a, low, uh, a higher fly ball rate, a more moderate home run to fly ball ratio, then they have more staying power because they get more, more balls in the air, even if their home run to fly ball ratio is down a little bit, more balls in the air. Jared Walsh, Vladimir Guerrero, these guys don't lift the ball enough to be 50 home run guys, to even be 40 home run guys. Framil Reyes is another one of these guys who hits the ball extremely hard, hits 50% of the balls on the ground. Hitting 40 home runs with that approach is almost impossible to do. So keep that in mind with some of these big guys. We're going to see a slowdown in the home run rate from some of them.
0: Well, so let's risk it, Ray. Let's talk about Walsh. Uh, 14 homers through 63 games. Mm-hmm. Um, he's played almost every game for the Angels this year. Um, people are going to look at that and say, okay, 35 home runs for him. 35 to 40. Would you say maybe 28 to 30? I mean, would you make that kind of prediction on Jared Walsh with what you're seeing right now?
1: I would feel much better 28 to 30 than 35 plus. Absolutely. Okay. And not, not, you know, 51%. I'm like 75% hmm. on that lower number. So, yeah, I, I put high. I was thinking, I was thinking 30, 31 when you were. So yes. that's right in the area that you were talking about. I, I would be very surprised if he got to 35.
0: Let's go to the five spot in our starting nine, hit you with some news and notes. And usually we just pummel you with injury after injury. And although, Ray, I will start with injuries, it's like actually good news for injured superstars. Um, Acuna, DeGrom, and Scherzer, we had scares over the weekend with all three, but all three appear to be fine. Um, Who knows? Some of these things could be lingering. Maybe we're talking about them two weeks from now. But it sounds like all three of them who missed time this weekend are going to miss going on the I.L
1: yeah we'll see we'll see Kyle we're recording this at 8 45 <laughs> in the morning but yeah that's what we're hearing which again is a big surprise because it didn't look like that when the injuries happened we certainly we talked about the the Grom and Scherzer thing so they basically were happening live when we were on Sirius XM very surprised with the Grom issue but it seems like everyone's confident he'll be okay
0: okay um Steven Strasburg is another story <laughs> still doing nothing with his shoulder problem Um, so i guess it's not all good news for the superstars uh mitch hanniger considered day to day he left with a bruised knee michael pineda pulled in the fourth inning with a forearm issue uh good news both luke voigt and uh, jeff mcneil have begun their rehab assignments so we could see them by the end of the week and did want to throw this out there cincinnati set to promote uh, hunter green to triple a And, Ray, that's, you know, you talked about it earlier. Rookie pitchers have not been a way to make money this year, but that's not going to stop people from maybe thinking about stashing Hunter Green right now.
1: It won't. And, I mean, when you throw 102 miles an hour, I understand that. That's kind of hard. Green's basically had his last two years ruined by uh, injury and then COVID. Um, So, you know, how many innings can he pitch, all that kind of stuff. He will almost certainly see the big leagues this year. He might be used as an opener. Uh, He might be used as a bulk reliever. I don't think we're going to see him out there starting games and throwing six innings for the Reds. So I think that will diminish his fantasy outlook. But uh, he could be a uh, Michael Kopech type of guy.
0: He could be that level of a producer this year, and I wouldn't be shocked. Let's go to the sixth spot in the starting nine, uh, checking in on the winning waiver wire bids. Uh, We've talked about managing how important it is um, in our Sirius XM host league, which both Ray and I are competing in. Uh, Ray's a little more competitive than I am right now, but um, I have improved in the last couple of weeks. Uh, Ray, we always like to check in on the bidding. And I got to say, Andrea Lamont, who uh, people might know her from the uh, Lady and the Legend with Lenny Melnick over on Sirius XM. Andrea must have found out she had a lot of money laying around this week. Um, What'd she get? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven winning bids off the waiver wire. And, Ray, a lot of people uh, hear that, you know, Max Stassi was one, 45 bucks. Uh, Vlad Gutierrez with the Reds, 75. She went to 122 on Patrick Wisdom. Um, so she, she was busy. Christian Arroyo, Nick Gordon, William Contreras. Busy lady, that Andrea Lamont.
1: Yeah, that Patrick Wisdom purchase was poor.
0: <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> He's Andrea. the hottest slugger in baseball, I'm sorry, Ray.
1: Andrea. I'm I- But that was poor. The other ones totally make sense. Um, And, you know, I mean, Nick Gordon's not a guy we've talked about, but Nick Gordon's come up. He's produced hits. He's stealing bases. He's playing for the Twins. I mean, that that makes sense. William Contreras has been pretty good, actually. A lot of catchers, we've been talking about that. She redid her entire catching,
0: you know, group there. He got rid of Zanino and Stallings and picked up Contreras and Stassi. You like that trade? It was, it was 70 bucks to pick up those two combined. Yeah.
1: I mean, I don't know why you'd get rid of Zanino if you have Zanino on your team, because he's done exactly Mike Zanino, and, you know, he's not producing batting average, hitting home runs. Um, I do. Yeah. I mean, I like that. J- Jacob Stallings is a player I've always liked, but he hasn't hit in a couple of weeks and he's, he's not a standout by any means. We've talked about Stassi and the fact that, you know, he's been blazing hot actually since the start of last season. So yeah, I, I actually don't mind the, the change there at that catcher spot.
0: Couple of other notables: Uh Davidson with the Braves, just eleven bucks. Jock Peterson goes for seventy-one in that league. Uh Jed Lowry for a buck? Come on! Oh, come on! I'll sprinkle that bidding. That's no. a, that's a steal, Jed Lowry. Can't give him up. Yeah, I don't need him. So I, but that's a miss by me. I love me some Jed Lowry. Uh, Ray, you did get involved at least a little bit in the bidding, uh, talking about the guy you touched on earlier, um, 18 bucks for Sam Long.
1: Yeah, it was a 12 bucks for D- Tucker Davidson, by the way. He was my number two, so I didn't get him. I guess I would have won him by a buck. But um, yeah, Sammy Long, $18 out of 1,000. I'll, I'll take the shot um, this week that he does make a couple of starts. He looked good in the first time out. I dropped Danny Santana, who hasn't done anything. Mm-hmm. Um And, you know, with with Long, I'm still not convinced, just to put it out there to this audience, I'm still not convinced that he sticks in the Giants rotation. Again, I don't even know if he's technically starting this week for the team. But when Aaron Sanchez comes back, Sanchez pitched very well before he was hurt. And Sanchez, with all his arm issues and everything, the Giants, I think, are going to say, hey, kid, go start and throw us four or five innings. I don't think they're going to want to use him out of the bullpen. So I don't know if Long sticks in the Giants rotation, but I spent a small amount this week to find out.
0: 18 bucks for a look-see. Uh, there with Long. I mentioned I didn't get in the bidding. I had to activate a couple of guys off the IL. Uh, Gonslin came off the IL. Grisham came off the IL. So I had to drop other players. So didn't really have any needs this week, um, but uh, that will certainly change. So I kind of set out the bidding this week. Let's go to the seven spot, Ray. We always like to spotlight on a Monday, Rob Povia's weekly planner article. People can find it at Fantasy Guru. It's um, updated throughout the week. Spends a lot of time for those interested in prospects, which really isn't ray and i guess a little bit it's me but <laughs> if you're really into prospects there's a great check-in uh by rob in that article spends a lot of time going throughout some of the names and what they're doing uh, not necessarily saying oh go get this guy but just an update on on how these guys are performing in the minor leagues uh there's always the game layout texas with five games this week the Mets have eight games this week and uh, Ray your favorite thing they have three double headers over the next two weeks they have eight games this week and eight games ne- next week so a lot of Mets pitching a lot of Mets hitting to be found here yeah
1: and they're still only going to play enough innings to actually have it be seven games somehow
0: um, <laughs> yeah that's and it's
1: it is what it is we got what play I like
0: it. though Ray is I own a guy like Marcus Stroman and right. that gives me the chance of a complete game every once in a while it does
1: yeah head. Especially if you're in a league that is a points league and you get bonuses for that, I don't know. But uh, yeah, Rob's article is great for a variety of reasons, and uh, I really do encourage people, you know, because I get all the questions in the chat room on Mondays at Fantasy Guru. You know, who do I start this week? And and it's very easy for me to go say, Oh, look, yeah, facing yeah. five righties this week. Nope, that guy's out. Oh, look, they're playing at home six times this week. That guy's in. It's a great resource.
0: Well, and Rob also made like Washington, the national seven games at home. Now most people say, Okay, who cares? But Ray, it's it, it, he makes the point that that ballpark in Washington is, um, for whatever reason, really becoming offensive-minded. Uh, fourth highest ballpark factor in runs. They are number two for ballpark factor in homers. This might surprise people. That's better than Coors Field. So Washington, Ray, is kind of becoming a place where um, if you got players going there, daily changes, streaming pitchers, you got to understand it's an mm-hmm. offensive heavy ballpark right now.
1: Yeah. And I know this is a podcast that's available to the world and it might sound like we're hard selling Rob's article. We kind of are, but it speaks for itself. We don't need to like, I, I've talked to him about this. I think this should be like three articles. Like it's just (laughs) so much. I mean, it's just volumes of of data and it, the idea that it's not just lefty righty home away number of games. We start talking about the the location of the games. He he mentioned, he always mentions, you know, interleague play, which guys are in and out for the DH that's in. I mean, it's, It's a very comprehensive piece. And, you know, if you're a member at Fantasy Guru, you're thinking about becoming a member of Fantasy Guru and you don't utilize this piece every week, honestly, you're making a mistake because there is so much information in here. And even if you only pull out one or two bits of information, you pull out one or two pieces a week that you can utilize over the course of 26 weeks, it's going to help you win a championship.
0: So check it out, Rob Povia, uh, with that article. And again, it's updated as Injury News comes out, all that good stuff. Uh, time now for the eighth spot in our lineup, and it's the random reference. Uh, we go over to baseballreference.com, and uh, we go to the frivolities section, I think is what they term it, and uh, we click the random player or game or just random page on the site, and there's literally millions of pages. So you never know what you're going to get, and uh, Ray, we just asked that it's 1980 to present, the fantasy era, and uh, our, our question has been answered. Here's, a, here's our player, um, Will Venable. Mm. will venable uh, yeah. who, who, there was a you know will venable was always kind of one of those tempting players um in the early 2010s you know about ten years ago where you'd look at will venable and you'd said okay man man if this guy could just get the starting spot for the padres you know if they just give him the job what could we get from will venable and and ray i don't know if he ever i guess he got the starting job for two or three years and didn't fall on his face but I guess he just never got the numbers game to favor him, but it is worth noting in 2013, Ray Will Venable had a 2020 season uh, for the San Diego Padres.
1: Yeah, and he was constantly the guy that you would take in the late rounds that you, you would have. You feel had as a decent shot to steal 25 bases, and he basically averaged 25 steals from 2010 to 2013. So you were you were buying that, and you always knew he had a little pop. And you were kind of open for 1520. Like that, I think that's where we were at when the season began. I give me 1520 out of a guy that's not very expensive. I know he doesn't play every day, and you know, and he only went 1520 once. It was that year he went 2020. But I can raise my hand. I had Will Venable on my teams all over the place because he was always if he wasn't the guy that was drafted, he was the like the first guy you grabbed off the waivers when you had an
0: injury in the outfield. You, you know who he is, Ray? He's a yeah. he's a better version of uh, Michael Taylor. Yeah, we always draft Michael Taylor for stolen bases Mm -hmm. and oh, you can get some pop too. And I think there's been like one year with the Nationals where Taylor did. Now, of course, he's with the Royals. Like Will Venable actually became what Michael Taylor was supposed to be, I think. Like he had four years where he was doing home runs with 20 stolen bases.
1: Yeah. And it's it's so funny because you hear these numbers and they sound very muted and it was a little bit of a different era. But over those four years, he averaged 13 home runs and 25 steals. And you know, he hit 257, which isn't great, but that's Michael Taylor wishes he could hit 257. So yeah, you're right. It's 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 interesting. And again, anyone that was playing in that period of time, you know, put your hand up if you didn't have him on a team. At some <laughs> point, at some you did too. At some point over that four-year period of time, everyone had Will Venable. Now it would have been great to track his movement because he probably was added and dropped you know, 12 times over the course of a season because people would try to hit that two-week period with him.
0: But uh, he did have that one season, as you noted, in 2013. Disappeared pretty quickly, though. Yeah, he disappeared pretty quickly. He had a good run and then just kind of left baseball after 2016. Uh, he is our random reference, and we should point this out, too. He's a pretty smart guy. He went to Princeton. So mm. There's another feather in the cap of Will Venable, which probably means he's like a financial advisor nowadays. <laughs> Maybe making more money there than than he was playing baseball. I don't know. Um, Okay, Ray, let's round things off in this edition of the uh, Baseball Elite Podcast by uh, giving our stamp of approval. Uh, Each week, we round up the show by giving a thumbs up to somebody or something or oftentimes a food item, whatever it may be, uh, something we've liked over the previous few days. What do you got for us, Ray? Sharks. sharks Sharks. is it shark week again or something It's
1: not. no 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 it's not shark week but i haven't used sharks on this this podcast so i'm going sharks shark shark week is in uh, july um (laughs) i was out at the beach on the weekend and they're you know here in the on the west coast we have great white sharks we've got the the red triangle you know a very aggressive place if you go offshore to get attacked because of all the sea lines and everything but you know in the coves in the the areas like there we have sharks and I, i was out there with my my significant other and we had our dog and you know, we had their leopard sharks, which are beautiful. If you haven't seen them, leopard sharks are really pretty. They're, you know, two, two three feet long and they were in the shallows. And, you know, there was like five of them when we, we walked out there and Did they hurt they, you. No, oh they, I mean their mouth, they could eat, chew a finger off if they wanted to, but they're very docile. We had our dog in the water, you know, and it's like, they don't care. And so and it was funny because these this couple had their, their kid and they went running out of the water and they like, Oh my God, they're sharks. And I looked at them. I said, they're leopard sharks. Like, go, well, they don't, they don't do anything they're not they're docile um so i just want people to know that sharks are important because i know there's all there's a new new regulations in hawaii they finally banned a bunch of they banned fishing for sharks you know shark finning all this kind of stuff we need sharks in the oceans number one and number two let's try not to kill every shark on the planet given that oh i don't know they've been around for 350 million years (laughs) let's try not to kill them all in 200
0: Oh, Ray, we're about a week away from all the stories out east of shark attacks. You know that.
1: I saw Great White Stuff. Yeah, Yeah, off the coast, Cape uh, Cod. You know,
0: it's one of those. Think about all the millions of people that swim in an ocean every year. And it's like the eight shark attacks. It's like, oh, my gosh, they're going crazy. Yeah. They're they're getting us all. It's like eight out of 80 million. You know. (laughs) Uh, My stamp of approval is to sports in the morning. Mm. I'm a big fan of this. Uh, The Euros are going on. I love the fact that over the next couple of weeks at 8 a.m. my time, I can watch soccer and at 11 a.m. my time, I can watch soccer and at two in the afternoon, I know there's going to be a soccer game on. I love it. Now you tennis fans got like the French open just finished. You got to watch, you know, tennis in the morning. Uh, We got Wimbledon coming up. So that'll be in the morning. There's always the, um, you know, the open, the golf tournament in Britain, wherever they're playing it. That's always in the morning. So this this is a blast, Ray. I love sports in the morning. We don't really get that with baseball. Um, west coasters get it with football, I guess. I don't, you know. That's it, twelve noon. That's football. Uh, so, Ray, I just got to say, um, I'm a soccer fan, and being able to flip on and like on a Monday, on a Thursday, on a Wednesday, I get I get sports in the morning. I love it.
1: Yeah, I, I've always thought about you know this moving to Hawaii or something when I get older, uh, and it you know, on the west coast for football, we start at 10 o'clock in the morning on Sundays, right? That's when games start. If you move to Hawaii and you're starting at seven in the morning, Kyle, you'd have to wake (laughs) up early to watch sports. How amazing would that
0: be? Maybe I'm just uh, giving a stamp of approval to time zones because this is all because of time zones that we get this.
1: Yeah, it's true. There you go. You can do that that too. Fair point.
0: That Uh, that is our stamp of approval. And and that's kind of the end of the uh, get together on this Monday. Uh, Ray, where can people find you over the coming week?
1: They can find me on Twitter at BaseballGuys. They can find me on Instagram at the Ray Flowers. They can find me, of course, at FantasyGuru.com. I'm in the chat room writing articles. We'll be doing things, as I noted this week, such as updating the rookie rankings list for the rest of the season. And we do also update, we I update the rankings on the first of every month. So we've got the rankings from June 1st up there right now. The entire 600 players ranked, and we'll get that again on July 1st as well.
0: Okay, as for me, I'm going to be plopped in front of the TV watching the Euros. That's that's what I'm going to be doing over the next week. Uh, That will do it for us. That'll do it for the podcast. Uh, Hopefully we did it for you. We'll see you next week. Kyle Alfred, Ray Flowers, more fantasy baseball discussion uh, to help you through the summer months. Now is where you can differentiate yourself. Believe me, people are peeling off. You're staying with us. You're gaining the edge right here on the Baseball Elite Podcast.